You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Kind of felt like I wanted to start like grooving to that. But I protected you from such things. Um, My name is Donnie. I work in the student ministry primarily here at Riverside, but I also get to be up here on Sunday mornings sometimes. And uh, so I'm happy to be here with you. And I hope your Christmas was good. I hope that, uh, well, obviously you're here. So Santa didn't beat you up too badly. You were able to come to church uh, and you're not too much uh, over sugared, uh, too many sweets. I had way too many sweets and it's not over yet. Holiday is not over yet, so more cookies to come. Who was buried in cookies? Was anyone buried in cookies? No? You guys weren't surrounded by like piles of cookies? Well, clearly I had too many then. This should have been dispersed evenly among all of you. Um, it is good to be here this morning, and of course, we're now transitioning over to Happy New Year, and as part of that, uh, we are moving into our Happy New You theme that we're going to be doing for the next several weeks, and so today is the beginning of that to uh, put the first piece in the puzzle of this idea of Happy New You, and if all goes well, uh, instead of Happy New Year, even better, you'll be able to wish people Happy New You, and uh, that's really our goal, is to... Uh, help you to engage with a soul makeover. And so there's an elusive word there, the soul makeover. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And hopefully there'll be a better understanding as you leave here, at least um, of of what we mean when we say soul, because you're going to be hearing that word a lot over the next few weeks. And this is all, of course, part of what we've been working on broadly, our all-in theme. And so each month, we're, we're trying to uh, put a different piece in place uh, to what it means to be all in for God. Uh, God is God all in for us, and we want to be all in for him. And part of that this morning is talking about our souls. And uh, that's what our focus will be, is that soul makeover. I didn't bring any makeup. I won't mess with makeup and hair this morning. I actually thought that'd be fun to bring somebody up here and just mess with makeup and hair. But that would also be a disaster. So I did not dance for you. I will not do any makeovers. And uh, fortunately, we're, we're looking at something different. In thinking about this, I think in metaphors constantly, relentlessly, I think in metaphors. And people who know me uh, know that I, I speak in them too, because I, I think in metaphors. And thinking about our subject matter for this morning, I was thinking of a uh, news uh, piece that I watched recently regarding flood-damaged cars. And uh, apparently, this is a, a big thing in the United States with all the different natural disasters that have happened. There are a lot of flood, flood damaged cars that are cleaned up and released back into the market. And the buyers don't always know that these cars that they're considering purchasing are flood damaged. And it's a, it's a pretty big deal. It affects the car uh, pretty significantly. So I was watching this news piece on TV where a woman was talking about the fact she bought a car not knowing it was flood damaged. It looked great, looked clean, looked newer. She bought the car. As soon as she got on the road, the check engine light came on and then a slew of problems occurred after that. And uh, so the reporter was kind of put to the test. Two cars were put in front of her, and she was kind of to walk up and see if she could figure out which one was the flood-damaged car. And so she was walking up to these cars, and they both had their hoods open, and she looked at the one car, the first car, and noticed that the engine was kind of dirty and dusty, and she's kind of scoping the car out a little bit. And then she moved over to the other car and was looking at that one. The engine was looking clean. And when she started to look a little deeper, she opened the doors, opened the trunk, and started looking in the seams where the metal 
metals welded together. She was seeing some things that looked odd to her, like little rust marks in places on the car where there shouldn't be rust, especially on a newer car. And she was noticing these very small things that were out of place. And correctly, she identified the one that looked great on the outside, and even with the cleaner looking engine, as being the flood damaged car. And she, and, but it was the, the look deeper. It was, was her looking deeper that was able to uh, help her to be able to figure out that was the flood damaged car. And so that got me thinking, man, what if we kind of did that with our lives? What if we looked deeper into our lives, took a look deeper before the check engine light came on in our lives? And I think everybody in this room is old enough to have had a check engine light come on on your life dashboard. Something is wrong. Uh, You can sense it. You can feel it. And then you realize something is wrong. And then you go to try to take a look deeper. Well, what if we were looking deeper on a regular basis? And we were able to prevent that check engine light from coming on. So where, where did that car come from? Well, clearly it had had some problems. And uh, answering some of these similar questions helps us to come up with some answers that we need. So um, who am I? Basic question. Where did I come from? What do I need? Such basic questions that it's easy to write them off. All oh, these are so simple. I know the answers to these things. Do we? Did we know them, but we've drifted away from some of these very core answers that define who we are? Who are we? What is our identity as people? And what is our identity as a soul? The soul, and we're going to talk about what the soul is, the soul needs identity. What is the soul? Very ethereal word. Uh, and in some cases, we use the word soul all the time, but there's also a, a dimension to the word soul that's kind of like elusive um, and, and kind of mysterious, this word soul. Where does the soul come from? Why is it even important that I think about the soul? Is this even relevant? Do I need to know what my soul is? Does it make a difference in my everyday life? Well, I hope that some of these answers will, will come to you as we move forward this morning. So I want to start by uh, praying and asking God to help us, asking the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and uh, help us to understand his word and walk out of here with enough of an understanding where maybe we can live a little bit differently. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need your help. And I, I pray, I want to start off, God, and pray for those who are here this morning that aren't sure that, that you're real or don't feel like they have a connection with you. Holy Spirit, I believe that you can help them, that you can speak to them, that you can reach to them. And, and maybe it is that that's, that's brought them into the room this morning. So I pray that whether we're focused on you, whether we have a relationship with you or not, Holy Spirit, I pray for all of us that you would help us to think this morning and help us to understand the things that we need to understand in order to move forward and have the lives that you created for us to live and the lives that you died for us to have. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I think uh, grasping what the soul is, uh, we have a good clue, what I think helps me understand what the soul is in Genesis 2-7, right at the outset of scripture, um, in the creation story, uh, we get an idea of what the soul is uh, and even an idea of why it's so important. So Genesis 2-7 says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The man became a soul. That term there, living being, can be translated soul. So I think a good way to look at the soul or understand what the soul is, is you have the dust of the ground, still God engaging, God originated, God creating the dust of the ground, 
and the breath of life that also comes from God. So I like to think about the soul as being the dust of the ground, the seen, and the breath of life, which is the mysterious, the godly, the unseen. When those two pieces or those, those two things come together, that's the soul. That's what makes a living, living being, the seen and the unseen coming together from the hand, both from the hand of God, both created by God, both coming together to make us who we are. That is where we come from. So when we think about this idea of a soul, the first clue we have here is I am a God-originated soul. My living being, all of who I am, the seen, the unseen, It all comes from God. I am a God-originated soul. He formed me together in my mother's womb, my DNA, the physical attributes I have, my brain chemistry. All of that stuff comes from God and the more mysterious side of who we are, the unseen, the deeper parts, also from God. And that's what makes me who I am. I am the seen and I am the unseen, both together, both from the hand of God. So it's kind of like the new car. You know, God creates this, this beautiful blend of, of these, these things to make us and create us. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge, and again, this helps me, to lean toward the side of when I'm defining the soul, I am more than physical. Because I think the physical part, the seen part, is, is the part that screams. It's the part that gets hungry. It's the part that feels pain. It's, it's the, the stuff that we feel and see and touch and taste. So it's a little easier for us to acknowledge that part of who we are. It's the unseen part that is a little more elusive. It's easier for us to neglect. It's harder for us to, to get a hold of it, to define it. Um, and, and sometimes, I think because of the world we live in, it's harder for us to pay attention to that part of us. So, so in thinking about uh, the soul and thinking about us as living beings, I'm more than physical. I'm more than physical. And that right there is a pretty huge truth that has implications for our life. So uh, a guy named Thor, some of you might know him. He's part of our, our leadership team here at Riverside. He is preaching in Oakmont today. And we were talking about this message. And he said he was listening to someone talk about the soul. And the person he was listening to said, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. So that's a good way to to think about it as well. So I have a soul or I am a soul. The sum total of everything I am, seen and unseen, is what we call the soul. And so there's more to me. There's more to me than just what is here. There's a part that lasts forever. There's a part that's eternal. There's a part that goes on when this life ends. And for this life, while we're here on earth, it's all tied together. It's all knit together, and each one affects the other while we're here in this life. And when we die, they are separated. So, so the unseen part of us affects the seen part of us. And the seen part of us affects the unseen part of us. So what we eat and how we conduct ourselves in our bodies affects the unseen part of us. And how we take care of the unseen part of us can actually start to affect, in, in good ways or in bad ways, the seen or physical part of us. And there's, there's a lot of mystery there. We can all acknowledge that there is that connection between the two. And some of you have uh, had some good and some negative experiences that have proven this to be true for you in your own life. But this is a truth that we kind of at least sense, even if we can't totally explain it or articulate it, that we are more than physical. And so 
The soul, the way I like to think about it, the soul is the whole with a lean to the unseen for our purposes, for spiritual purposes. The soul is the whole with a lean to the unseen because that's the harder part for us to always pay attention to and remember and think about. And I don't think it can totally be explained. I don't think it can totally be explained. I don't think it needs to be totally explained. I think God gives us enough to go on for us to be able uh, to connect with him and take care of, of our whole being, all of who we are. And drifting from this truth, when we lean to the seen, when we ignore the unseen, when we ignore that we came from God, this is the definition of sin. When we drift and, and we neglect this massive part of who we are, when we neglect the fact that, that our soul is this whole being that's knit together, it causes us to become broken. And uh, sin breaks apart this, this soul, this whole being of who I am, and we drift away from God. And our soul is divided. One author whose name is John Ortberg, and you might hear about him uh, in a few of the messages as uh, the messages move forward. Uh, he uses the term fracture. Sin fractures the soul and separates them. Uh, and it makes it harder for us to be able to take care of ourselves as a whole and even to see ourselves as a whole being. So the seen and unseen... The longer we live in a sin-broken world in a sin, sinful state, the seen and unseen drift apart and we become something that we're not supposed to become. So Romans 5.12, uh, Paul, I think, says it well. He says, sin entered the world through one man. So he's talking about Adam. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sin. So I'm a God-originated soul, but I'm also a sin-broken soul. I am a sin-fractured soul. So this sin that has come into the world, and we can all see it and smell it, and we live in it every day out there, that that actually, that flood has affected me too. It has affected me. It's, we carry around in our bodies the results of this broken world that's been broken for many, many years. We carry it in our bodies, but it also affects us because we have engaged in this drift away from God, this brokenness, this sin. So we are God originated, but we're also sin broken. Those are two realities that we have to acknowledge. So, so we're kind of like flood damaged cars. All of us are. The flood of sin affects us all. It's in us all. It's around us all. And that acknowledgement is so important. And while we live this life, it's like our seen and unseen parts of who we are. It's like they're connected by this thread. They're hanging by a thread. And when death comes, it's separated. So whatever state that we're in is, is made permanent. When we die, it's made permanent. So if we spend our whole life only acknowledging the scene, it's not gonna work out, out so well at the end of our lives. So I'm a sin-broken soul, and in Psalm 63, we're kind of taking a little bit of a flyby through scripture here. Psalm 63, I think in an artistic way, in a poetic way, uh, kind of embraces this mysterious aspect of what the soul is and adds to our understanding of the soul. Psalm 63, one, the psalmist says this, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, my soul, longs for you. My whole being is in need of you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. So it's, he starts out very ethereal, very spiritual, but then by the end of the verse, he's over in a very tangible, 
picture of a, of a desert, basically, that we can all understand. So I, I, I love that because I think it's a great picture of kind of our lives and our soul. It's this blend of the seen and unseen, the spiritual, the physical, and we can all read that and go, yeah, I, I feel that. I, I kind of feel what the psalmist is talking about there. Basically, the psalmist is scream, screaming out that my whole being, the seen and unseen, that all came from you, there's this craving inside of me. I have a need, a longing, an ache inside of me that, that a lot of people, I think, have a hard time even identifying. We feel it, but we don't always know how to label it. And there's this longing inside of all of us. And he acknowledges in the second part of the verse that I'm in a desert. So I have this ache, this longing. There's something that needs God. But in this dry and parched land, I can't find anything to meet this need. And again, we all live in a world where we can, we can watch people. They sense this need, even if, even if it's not articulated, we sense this need and we turn to all of these different things to quench that thirst. We're looking for something to fill this, this brokenness that we have inside of us. And maybe we have a hard time articulating what it is, so we just keep trying different things. And people can spend their whole lives searching for this. And the psalmist is saying, God, I realize it's you. I realize that in this broken, dry world that there's nothing I can turn to that's gonna address my whole being better than the one who made my whole being, better than the one who knows me. God, it's gotta be you. I need you. I am in need of you and I long for you. So the psalmist actually gives us a way to understand that ache and that mysterious longing. He's saying it's, it's a longing for God. It's a longing for where you came from in the first place. There's only one that can meet that need. And I think that is an important realization for all of us to have. There's no pill for this. You know, there's no, no uh, line in the bank, no number that's gonna get there to where you're like, okay, I'm fulfilled. This is a dry and parched land. And so sometimes I wonder, like, how long will it take us to realize this? How many things will we have to try before we realize nothing is going to meet the need? And, and some things can appear to quench that thirst temporarily, but ultimately there is only one. And it's not a thing, it's a person. There is only one that can quench that thirst eternally. And the psalmist identifies and helps us by identifying who that is. And to take it a step further, I love the relationship between Psalm 63.1 and Psalm 23. So you may be familiar with Psalm 23, verses one through three. Psalm 23 is often quoted. It's sung about. Uh, it's a beautiful psalm, very poetic, very artistic. But it's interesting to look at it in light of this idea of the soul. And it's the same word, the same term in Genesis, in Psalm 63, in Psalm 23. It's the same phrase that's used for this idea of our whole being, all of who we are, the seen, the unseen, everything mixed together. Psalm 23, look at how it fits with Psalm 63. Psalm 23, one says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So again, a very concrete metaphor. God is my shepherd. We, we kind of understand what that is. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Again, it's a mixture of the concrete with the unseen and mysterious. So we know what quiet waters are, and we can kind of picture that. It's this serene peace that God leads us to, and it says he does that for our soul. And I love the idea of refreshes. Depending on the translation you're reading, you could see the word restores there. God restores my soul. So a worn down rusty, dilapidated soul, God can restore that. It's God that restores the broken down soul. 
This idea in the word refreshes there is God can restore me to the one who does bring the refreshing, he himself. So he can put the relationship back together between me and him. He's the one that can lead me back to him. When I've drifted away, when I've wandered like a sheep, God's the one that goes and brings me back to himself. And I love the idea in that word, that idea of refreshing, restoring, I love the idea of recovery of what was lost. Think about that. God is the one who can recover a lost soul, a hopelessly lost soul. God is the one who made me and he's the one who can find me and fix me up and dust me off and clean me up. He will pursue, we sang, you fight for me. He will look for me and he will recover my lost soul. That's what God does. He's a good, good shepherd. So there's this obvious idea in Psalm 63, in Psalm 23, that my soul needs God. And this is such a massive realization that all of us, whether we've been following Jesus for a long time, whether we're kind of checking God out and trying to decide what we think about that, there is this core, pivotal, and an important point that we have to get to when we can say this, when we can acknowledge that my soul, my whole being, physical, not physical, seen, unseen, my whole being needs God, that only he can restore me and refresh me. And there has to come this point that we are willing to admit that the whole must be filled with more than what is in this world. The whole, the W-H-O-L-E. The whole must be filled with more than what we see around us, more than what the world offers us. The Bible says, uh, I think it's in First John, it says, um, the world offers only a craving. It doesn't actually offer the solution that quenches the thirst. That's all we're gonna find here. So we'll always be left incomplete. That whole, that whole being has to be filled. So we have to get to that point where we're willing to say, I'm in need. And that can be hard for some people to get to that point where you admit dependence or that you need, I need God. I need to be recreated. I am flood damaged. I'm suffering the effects of a broken world outside of me, but also inside of me. And I need God's help with this. I need to be made new. This acknowledgement that I need to stop leaning to the scene and not paying attention enough to the unseen inside of me and around me. My soul needs God. Now, what I get really excited about is, is what Jesus did to this whole concept. So even with Psalm uh, uh, 23 and 63 and 23, we can kind of be to this place where like, all right, I know my soul's broken. I know it came from God. I know I need help with this. I know he's the one who can help me, but How? Like, how does this actually happen? And this is where I just get so excited because Jesus shows up and delivers this very real, here's how, here's how God does that. So if you're saying, hey God, I'm ready, I'm well, I see that, I'm willing to acknowledge that, so what do we do now? Jesus answers that question. I love how he answers it in John 10, verse 11. So think about Psalm 23 and listen to what Jesus says here. I am the good shepherd. Hey guys, you know the one that can restore your soul? The one who can lead you to a place of peace in the midst of brokenness? The one who recovers the lost? The one who fixes up broken things? That's me. I'm right here. I'm bringing it right down into your face. Flesh, blood, 
Words, like I'm showing you that I'm the one who's gonna actually do this for you. I am going to make you new. I am going to recover your lost and broken soul. And he says, how's he gonna do it? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Guys, this is the plan, he says. You're broken and I'm gonna fix it. And this is how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna die for you in your place to recover and recreate and make you whole again. That's what Jesus said. It's so exciting to me that he's the answer for that, that that's why he came, to take us who are struggling with all of that and to put us back together again. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 and 17, he says, so from now on, the point where we embrace Jesus, we admit our need and we welcome Jesus to to die for us and we admit that we need him and we welcome him in. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We're not gonna just lean to the scene, what we knew. We now have a new lens to see what's really going on. So he says, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone allows Jesus to fix that brokenness, to bring it back together again, to recover the soul, to restore and recreate. Anyone who does this, so powerful, it says the new creation has come. The restored soul has come. The refreshed soul has come. The recovered soul is now here, and that's how we now regard things when we let Jesus come in. The old has gone, the new is here. The leaning to the scene and being one-dimensional is gone, Now we see it differently. We are new creations. So who am I? We need to realize that I can be a recreated soul. It's not hopeless. Even though the world's kind of a flood-damaged mess and we see it in our own lives, there's never a point of hopelessness. I can be a recreated soul. I know I came from God. I know I'm sin-broken and there is a way forward for me because of what Jesus has done in dying in my place on the cross and showing us the hideousness of sin in meeting us at the cross as a place of agreement. We, at the cross, what we do at the cross, when we come to the cross, it's a place where we agree about who we are and who God is, and we come into that place of agreement, and then we move forward together. That's what the cross is. I know how ugly sin is. I know how broken everything is. And we move forward with him. That's what Jesus does through the cross for us. I can be a recreated soul Jesus addressed our biggest need. He addresses our biggest need. And that is atonement for sin. And when we let him address, and he doesn't force us. The defining moment in my life, in your life, is the moment we allow Jesus to address our sin problem, our need for him. And when we let him address that, that's when we become a brand new creation. That's when the whole is restored. So will we do that? Will we let him restore our soul? Will we let Jesus refresh us and recover us? And then when we allow him to do that, the journey begins of moving forward into what the unseen and the seen fitting together and being healthy. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we we live that out. And we address the whole being with a lean to the unseen. That's the new creation, the new life that Jesus purchased us and offered us. So he says in Mark 8, 36, Jesus says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world but forfeit 
their own soul. What good is it to lean to the seen, neglect the unseen, and then lose all of it? To focus on one part of who we are relentlessly, paying attention for all the reasons that we do it, for the season we're in, chasing this, chasing that, and the years keep rolling by, and we're leaning to the scene. And he says, at the end, not only do you lose the unseen, you lose it all, because the body's not going to make it past that. So you get to the end, and you're literally empty-handed. And he's saying, what good is that to be left with nothing? It's not good. He's saying, you need to pay attention. Pay attention to the unseen part of you. That's where true new creation begins, is in that unseen part. Paul says to his protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.8, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He's saying leaning to the scene, you know, it's good and it will last for a short period of time, but if you're taking care of the whole, that is going to last for eternity. So are we just leaning to the scene, emphasizing just a fraction of what God wants us to focus on, or are we paying attention to the whole? And that's really the question. And this is not a message that says, oh, well, just forget about all the physical stuff and do whatever you want with your health and do whatever you want with your finance, your relate. That's not what this is. Remember, it's the whole. But we've got to make sure that we're paying attention to the whole and not just the scene part, not just the part that the world also sees, the part that demands immediate attention the part that's so easily viewable. Address the whole with a lean to the unseen. And I love the word address. Here's why I love the word address. Address the whole with a lean to the unseen. The word address actually means to think about something, to start to deal with it, to face a reality, to face it head on. And I love that for a Sunday morning context because these are the moments that we stop and go, okay, I'm gonna think about this. I'm going to make some decisions. I'm going to start to posture myself to actually move forward in a new direction. And I'm going to face a truth. I'm going to face something that's really going on in my life right now. And I'm going to move forward in a different way. That's why I love that word address. Address the whole with a lean to the unseen. Continue what Jesus began. When he died on the cross for my sin and for yours, when he offered us that recovery of what was lost, We get to embrace that and then we continue it every day. We continue addressing the whole every day. We don't neglect it. By the power of the spirit, we walk in that newness of life, new creation. We don't go back. Don't ever go back to leaning on the scene. And some of you guys know what that was like. You remember what your life was like when there was this big part that was missing and you you saw some of it, but not the whole thing. We don't ever wanna go back to that. And as a new year approaches, you know, the calendar year is just a natural time for us to think about resetting and looking deeper. It's just a, a thing on a calendar, but it's a helpful reminder to us to not just make physical goals and financial goals and relationship goals. It's a reminder to us to look at all of it in view and not just look at the scene part of it, but even when we look at the scene part of it, remembering this is connected to the scene. So I'm gonna honor God with my body. I'm gonna honor God with my finances because it's all together. It's all one thing. They're connected with each other. So everything I do every day is this fusion of the dust of the earth and the breath of life, and I want it all to come together and be exactly what God wants it to be every day that I live here. So I'm gonna invite the worship team to come back up, and while they do, here's the question to think about. 
how will you address your soul needs? Moving forward, and again, natural thing to think about, 2019. How will you address your soul needs moving forward? Will you address your soul needs moving forward? What's the Holy Spirit tapping on your heart about, tapping on your shoulder about? What are some things that maybe he's leading you to do? And I encourage you, you know, we just church services and being in these contexts, we naturally just have like an order of things. You know, we have some worship time and, and it's easy to get to this time where it's like, okay, here's the message. And then we always just have a couple songs and then we go and we eat lunch. This part after the message, I think could be the most important part of the whole service. Why? Because it's not the part where you're just listening. Now it's the, it's the part where you decide what you're gonna do with what you've heard. So we've looked at these scriptures together and it's a time for you not just to slip out, but to actually think like, am I gonna do something about this? How, what should I do about this when I leave here? What conversation should I be having with someone in my life who knows God and also knows me? Will I even have the guts to have that conversation with somebody? Will I sit down and think about, really think about whether I'm addressing the needs of my soul? Will I make some plans? And, and I think the biggest thing we can do at a time like this is actually say to God, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this between me and you. Because you know it isn't about me. It's not about people on the platform. Ultimately, it's about you and him. And when you have that important conversation, even if it's just a sentence, it kind of like makes it real. When you say to God, like, okay, like I'm doing this. I, my intention, my heart today is I want to move forward in a different way. I want to address the needs of my soul. I've been leaning to the scene and it's easy for us to think about all this stuff. If you're a Christian, if you've been following God for a while, I think it's easy for us to think about this basic stuff that we're talking about this morning and kind of dismiss it like, oh, I know all of that. Well, there's a huge difference between knowing something and actually living it. And I can stand up here at 44 years old, have been serving God since I was a kid and say that I still get the flickering engine light because I've just been focused on others. Even in the church world, we can focus on the scene, the structure, the stuff, and we're not looking into his eyes anymore. And I have to stop myself and say, God, what went wrong? How did I get out of being connected to your spirit? How am I so far away from where the Holy Spirit wants me to be? And I've got to stop and go and take a look deeper and do what we're talking about this morning. And you know, maybe I'm worse than everybody in here, but I think if that's true for me, it's probably true for all of us where we need to t stop, take a breath. Am I addressing the needs of my soul? Because guys, we are no good for anyone in our lives if we are languishing in some, some way. If we're neglecting some part of the whole, we're not gonna be good parents. We're not gonna be good children. We're not gonna be good coworkers or students or whatever we're doing. We're not gonna be good for anybody else. If we just look the part, but our inside, we're neglecting the unseen, it's gonna unravel eventually because the unseen affects the seen. We have to address the whole moving forward. So I would encourage you to ask that question, how can I do that? Maybe your first response this morning is to actually just say to Jesus, look, we need to start this thing because I have been away. I want to meet you at the cross. I want to acknowledge that I need you and I want to invite you into my life. And I'm kind of scared and I'm kind of nervous to relinquish control. But Jesus, I, I need, I feel that longing and I need that. So God, I'm just throwing it out there. I want you in my life. Will you forgive me? Will you restore me? Will you refresh me? This peace that I hear about, this joy that I hear about, I want that. I need that. My soul is thirsty for that.
Maybe you're here this morning and your prayer to God is, forgive me, because I've been leaning to the scene, you know? trying to get to that degree, trying to get to that place in my job, trying to get things situated in my life, and I've really just been leaning on the scene. I can't believe how much time has gone by. And I'm kind of languishing a little bit. God, help me to address the whole and have you help me do that. Maybe you're here this morning, you're feeling pretty good. Going into 2019, you're feeling strong. Maybe you'd pray, Holy Spirit, give me strength because I know what I'm facing out there. I know when I go back to work, the temptations I'm gonna face. I know what's gonna pull my attention away. When you go back to school, when you, sometimes it's in your home, that difficulty, that temptation, that struggle to focus only on what the world sees, and you know what you're facing. And maybe your prayer this morning is preemptive. You're saying to the Holy Spirit, help me to stay the course and to have the right perspective on all of this. So I don't know what prayer you need to pray this morning, what work you need to do. Who's looking forward to you addressing these soul needs? Who in your life is hoping that you will address your soul needs so that you can be what you need to be for them. Would you bow your heads? God, I pray that you would help us to take advantage of these few moments to think and to make some decisions and to say something to you about this. And Holy Spirit, we ask for your help moving forward to address the needs of our whole being especially leaning to the unseen parts of who we are, the the parts the world maybe won't encourage us to pay attention to, the you part, the part that only our unseen God can reach. Help us to pay attention to this stuff. And as we do with a humble heart and a good heart, as we move forward wanting to genuinely be healthy as a whole being, as a soul, would you help us in your grace and mercy to figure out what that looks like every step of the way, every day, Hear our prayers this morning and help us to live out the decisions we make in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.